Life's too short. Life's too damn short. So, eat everything. Try anything. Exercise. Experience all that life has to offer. Here's exercise physiologist, medical journalist, and healthy talk host, Melanie Cole, MS. Well, if you've ever listened to my shows, I am certainly a big fan of sleep and napping, too. Boy, I love my naps. And you know sleep costs nothing. Everybody wants a little bit more of it, but finding time to get it sometimes seems impossible. And in this electronic age, where there's white light everywhere and people are on their tablets and their phones late into the night, especially our teenagers, it seems like sleep is just beyond reach, but the studies are proving more and more how important it is for reducing our risk of cancer, obesity, Alzheimer's, and so many more. My guest today is Dr. Ken Redcross. He's the founder of Redcross Concierge, a personalized medical practice designed to enhance the patient-doctor relationship while providing convenient access to a full spectrum of healthcare services and holistic and wellness counseling. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Redcross. So sleep, like I said, I'm a big napper which I don't want my boss to hear me say, but I do love my naps. What are we doing wrong in our society today? People are getting so much not enough sleep. Yeah, you know what? We are all so busy with, with everything that's going on, whether it's our family, our jobs, and just unfortunately overall stress. And so I think one of the things we're doing wrong, Melanie, is we're not recognizing the importance of sleep for our overall optimal health. Because I always love to say that sleep heals. And when I talk to patients in that way, they, they later start to realize that sleep is maybe a little bit more important than they actually thought. Well, it does heal. I mean, obviously, when you know that with people in surgery, you're asleep. You can't feel what they're doing. You're resting afterwards. Your body heals when you sleep. And with kids, their brain grows when they sleep. Yeah, you know, and that's the important part because you had mentioned, you know, as far as with kids and what's going on, as far as a lot of these electronics, a lot of these white lights, they're actually impacting our overall health. And so when I talk to patients about their children, I make sure that we kind of cut down on some of those electronics closer to bedtime and, and make sure that it doesn't affect their health long term. Well, I'm absolutely adamant in my house about it. And I've been putting my kids to bed early ever since they were born. And now even my 17-year-old son goes to bed at like 8.30 on most nights because he knows if he doesn't, he wakes up tired the next day and he just cannot get through the day as well. So he goes to bed early and gets off his phone early because I'm just like, turn it off, turn it off. You can read a book or listen to music, but you can't sit there watching YouTube videos or Instagram or whatever it is, because that messes with their brains, doesn't it? No, it does. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Look, let's first hit on what kind of sleep or how much should we really be getting? That's what people always ask me. We're supposed to be getting seven hours of sleep each and every day. Now, think about this. So you say, last night I got seven hours, but that means for the entire week, right? So you need to think about the other days and getting that consistent sleep because it's really about the quality if you can't get the quantity. Now, there are some things that we do that affect that. First of all, I like to call them the three C's, Melanie, and that's things such as cocktails, caffeine, and cigarettes. Now, cocktails are interesting because people tend to think that when they take a cocktail at bedtime that it's going to help them sleep. Now, it may help with initiation of sleep, Melanie, but what it does is it causes restlessness later in the night. 
Now, with caffeine, we're obviously very aware of what caffeine does for our body, but it also shortens our sleep cycle or the REM sleep that we actually have dreams. And cigarettes are a no-brainer just in general, but cigarettes actually negatively affect the initiation of sleep. So if people are doing any of these things, you at least want to avoid them two hours before bedtime so they don't affect your overall sleep for that particular night. That's so important that you say that about alcohol because people do typically think that if you have a glass of wine or, you know, something else, that it does help you to sleep. And it may, in the interim, help you fall asleep, but it doesn't always help you stay asleep. What you're discussing, Dr. Red Cross, is really called sleep hygiene, isn't it? Right, right, exactly. And and sleep hygiene is a little bit of, of everything. That gets to, for instance, you mentioned your son and his television. One of the things that's very important for sleep hygiene, you do not want to have a television in the bedroom because your mind needs to understand that when you go to the bedroom, it is time to shut down. That is the time that your mind, just like a CP unit on a computer, has to be unplugged and kind of restart itself to get ready for tomorrow. So those things are important. We already talked about kind of cutting the screen time with your iPads or your television at least one to two hours before bed. Because if you don't, there's a little region in your brain which doesn't know exactly what to do. It gets quite confused if there's too much light closer to bedtime. But, you know, one of the great things we had brought up at the beginning of our talk was making sure that we circle back to understand that sleep actually heals. And actually, when we're resting, we get really the building blocks for our immune system to help fight infection. Now, this typically, Melanie, isn't a big deal if, like, for your son in in this instance, he's getting the right amount of sleep, so his body is able to kind of build his own immune system. But if it's someone else out there who isn't like your son and can't get that rest, you want to make sure that you consider other things such as clinically proven supplements like AHCC. Now, I mentioned AHCC in particular for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's an effective medicinal mushroom immune booster. But this is very different as far as AHCC having over 20 human clinical trials. Now, Melanie, I don't know about you. You and I were talking a lot about studies and research and things that are going on. But if you're looking for something, especially if you're going to use it to support your immune system, you want to have data behind it. And at the website, hccresearch.org, it's there. So there's a lot of things on the market that's going to be able to help you with your immune system. But let's just make sure that we're educated around them before we just go out and take anything. Now, what about, we talked a little bit about electronics and white light, and in the room itself, some people have darkening shades, some people like a nightlight, some people I know sleep with the TV on. How does that stuff affect our sleep as far as the room ambience? Yeah, so that area I talked about in the brain, that area is called the suprachiasmatic nucleus. Let's just call it the SCN region. And that's the region that gets a little confused when the lights are kind of on when we're going to bed or when they're on at awkward times. One other thing that I found interesting in one particular study, it showed that the best temperature for us to sleep, Melanie, was between 60 and 68 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, it may seem a little a little nippy and a little chilly for some, but that is what the study shows. So I talk to patients a lot about that. And when they do that, they actually do feel like they sleep a little better. I don't know if it's because you're a little bundled up under the covers because it's a little chilly or what have you, but they do get benefit. The studies also show that it's best if you can to try to get to bed around 10 p.m. And it's because it takes about 90 minutes in order for us to kind of get into the sleep cycle where we're getting closer to REM sleep. So these are some simple things, sleep hygiene-wise, would make a big, big difference. 
I think one of the biggest things, and I've even had to implement this for myself, Melanie, because I travel a lot and I travel to different time zones. But one of the things I do, and the most important button on my phone is the Do Not Disturb button. That's the button that keeps all the text from coming in or the social media and why you're in bed. Because you'd be surprised. While you may not think that you're waking up, you're still hearing these sounds in your in your sleep, and they're causing you to kind of rouse a little bit and not get that complete sleep. Well, that's really important. And and people think, okay, I'm going to exercise or I'm going to eat. You know, there's a lot of late eaters. I know that I sort of, that's one of my sort of vices. And I eat a little later than I probably should, than I know I should. But eating late and maybe even exercising at night while exercise is great for you, Dr. Red Cross. Sometimes at night it can impede a little bit of your sleep, yes? Yeah, because like to your point, I mean, it, it's helpful to make sure we're we're obviously doing our exercise. We know we're supposed to be getting 150 minutes a week of moderate exercise, or at least 75 minutes a week of high intensity exercise. But closer to bedtime, you can really get your revving a little bit, and sometimes makes it a little difficult to kind of unplug. As I mentioned earlier, about thinking of your of your brain as a as a CPU unit of your, your computer, it's a little hard when you're really revved up. Yeah, I know that it it can be. So you don't you want to make sure to exercise early and and eating early enough that it doesn't sit there in your stomach or cause esophageal problems, right? Exactly. And in your in the, what you're really talking about as well are reflux symptoms. Reflux is very common in those who are late eaters, and also depending on what sort of foods, whether they're acidic foods such as tomato sauces and that sort of thing. So. You want to be careful eating close to bedtime, and if you are eating closer to bedtime, consider having your pillow elevated at least 30 degrees um, so that you're not going to have some of those reflux symptoms that can be so common for most. So what would you advise people, Dr. Red Cross, who, who can't fall asleep right away? I mean, as sleep hygiene is so important, maybe you're a, someone who takes a bath and you've got the room nice and cool and dark. You're not on your electronics, but you can't shut your mind off. You can't stop thinking about the day's events or politics or health or your kids or safety or anything. What do you tell people about shutting that stuff down so that you can relax? Yeah, that's a great question, Melanie. Usually I talk to them about two things in particular. Number one, there is kind of a mindfulness component when you get people in. I'm not a big medication fan if we do not need them. So on the mindfulness side, we're talking about whether it be yoga, whether it be meditation, whether it be ways to kind of teach yourself and your brain to relax and de-stress. Because lots of times, stress is a very, very common cause of sleep disturbance. The other thing I always talk to patients about is making sure that we leverage the benefits of food as medicine, such as almonds. Almonds have magnesium, very relaxing for the muscles, especially close to bedtime. Walnuts are fabulous as well because walnuts have tryptophan, that same sleep-inducing hormone, or actually say uh, amino acid, actually, that works when we're at Thanksgiving dinner and turkey is loaded with tryptophan. You can also get the benefit of chamomile tea, which increases glycine, and glycine relaxes our muscles and nerves. So we've talked there about just a couple of foods, not even to mention the benefit of omega-3. There was a recent study that showed that those who are actually low in omega-3, they also had lower melatonin levels, and we need melatonin for sleep. So there's even a website at nutrientpower.com where you can order an omega-3 index test kit. It's just a little finger stick test. And you send that back and you get a little indication of where you are on that omega-3 index 
And maybe that can also be increased and benefit your sleep as well. So we just talked about some ways to leverage food as medicine and about the importance of that mind-body connection to get sleep if you're having some challenges out there. So do not be frustrated um, because there are some alternatives out there for you. Now, you mentioned melatonin because that was going to be one of my next questions. People see these supplements all over the place and they say, oh, well, I don't get enough melatonin. And so that's why I'm not getting good quality sleep. What do you think about a few drops in a cup of chamomile tea or supplementing with some of those things? Yeah, you know, I love it. And it's interesting because as you talk to patients, you'll find some that love their melatonin or you'll find some who say, you know, it helps me a little bit, but it doesn't give me that exact sleep that I want. But the point is melatonin is a very natural alternative in order to try to get sleep without many side effects associated with it. So I usually talk to each and every patient with any sleep disturbance or challenges. We always talk about starting with melatonin first. So I'm a big believer and supporter of melatonin and what it does for us. And once again, do not get frustrated if if it's working, great. But if it doesn't get you right there, we have these other alternatives that we've talked about as well. Not to mention, don't forget about your bedding. You know, we spend over two decades of our life sleeping. So we want to make sure that if we're going to sleep, we want to do it comfortably um, with a good mattress, good pillows and sheets, because the studies show that it increases our sleep quality and decreases back pain and neck pain, some of those things that can also interfere with our sleep. Well, let me ask you about that then, because some people wake up and maybe they've gotten a good night's sleep, but because maybe they didn't move around a little bit in the night, they wake up sore. Do we blame that on our mattress? Do we blame that? I mean, if you have people that come and say, I'm so sore in the morning when I wake up, my back feels stiff, everything feels stiff. What do you tell them? Yeah, I know bedding is extremely important. That's one of those things that it's hard when you come to your doctor's office where we're trying to get to the root cause of the problem. We talk about all these medical things, but very rarely do we have a discussion to say, you know, how old is your mattress? And then you'll hear things like, oh, it's been about 20, 25 years and haven't changed my pillows. And so these are all easy things to change. Now, I realized and I had talked to some folks before and they reminded me that, yes, beds can be a little expensive, I see, but this is an investment. And once again, this isn't something that you buy regularly, but can make a, such a huge difference in your sleep. And more importantly, I could say the quality of your sleep. So it's a worthy investment. It is. And, and then last kind of question, wrap it up for us, Dr. Red Cross, because it's such good, really important information. Some people have circadian rhythm things. They have yeah. maybe restless legs. They have insomnia. There's all of these sleep disorders. If somebody comes to you with one of those complaints, what do you tell them to do? Do you tell them to see a sleep specialist? Do you do you believe in sleep studies? What do you tell them to do if they suffer from any of these? Yeah, I do because some of those things are challenging. Look, don't don't feel like you're the only one out there who's dealing with some of these sleep issues and challenges. It was so important that even the Nobel Prize for Medicine was given to a group of scientists who have figured out the biological clock. So yeah, we do have sleep specialists out there who are able to give you a sleep study and make sure that we're not missing something, something in the cycle um, that's making it very challenging and difficult for you to get that rest that's necessary. So when you come to us, we do some of the things that we talked about today and see if they work. And if they don't work, there are still other options out there, like speaking with a speech specialist and um, sleep specialist, I should say, and, and also getting a, a sleep study as well, which is very beneficial. 
We'll wrap it up. Your best advice for getting a good quality night's sleep, how much we should be getting, and where people can find out more about you because you are such an interesting, well-spoken man. So where can they find out more about you? Well, sure, Melanie. So let's sum it up this way, everyone. So we're all trying to get that amount of sleep. We're trying to get seven hours. So let's see what we can do. Now, if we can't get that quantity, we've talked about the quality and we've talked about cutting out the three C's. So be careful with cocktails, caffeine, and of course, cigarettes, which are a no-brainer. We also talked about the benefit of recognizing that sleep heals and the immune system is important to be boosted. And we talked about a medicinal mushroom supplement called AHCC to help support that. And last but not least, we talked about two other important things, making sure that we recognize that food is medicine. Consider almonds, walnuts, and also chamomile tea and omega-3. And last but not least, don't underestimate the importance of our bedding. It's really important long-term. And where can people find out more about you? By all means. So my website is drredcross.com. That's drredcross.com. Feel free to say hello at Facebook, which is Ken Redcross MD. Twitter is at Dr. Redcross. And last but not least, Instagram is Dr. Redcross. Wow, you are connected. I, I, I mean, I only know Instagram and Snapchat and things from my kids, but I do know Facebook, so you can find out more at drredcross.com. That's a very easy way. Go to his website. There's lots of great information. And, of course, you can listen to us on iTunes. Go there and rate and review. That way, like-minded people, we can all get in on these conversations together. We are talking with the experts in their field, and we're all learning together. This is quality information you can trust. You're getting it right here at RadioMD.com. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening and stay well.